Welcome to another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney, and the Jaguars have uh, made a few changes since we last time we did one of these things. Uh, last time we were talking about a defensive coordinator search. Jags now officially have a new defensive coordinator. That's right. Hey, and Jamal, you got to give Jamal some props. He actually took a week off. And that's something Jamal never does, so that was good. But we still got him in for the bulky presser. So um, interested to hear your thoughts on that, Jamal, since you were there. But, yeah, a lot of change in the last uh, about 14 days for the Jags. Uh, the Mike Caldwell firing kind of opened up an offseason of change, and uh, one of those positions was filled with Ryan Nielsen, new defensive coordinator from Atlanta. You liked him, Jamal, the last time we were on this podcast. You said uh, Atlanta got a lot of production out of a, a defense that really had no mainstays on it, um, and that's, that is Jaguars in a nutshell. I, would, I love this hire. I love this hire. Look, I, I was a little questionable on if the defensive staff was scapegoated, but I think sometimes – when it comes to things, you, just because something's not a problem doesn't mean it is the solution. Yeah, and you, I mean, you and I talking along the lines of the change that happened, you mentioned, hey, there were defensive issues, yes. poor communication issues on the defense, something that should not have been happening with really a veteran defense late in the year. You know, you're, you're missing out on play calls and, you know, defensive lapses at home. That, that's, that is not good. That's a coaching issue. Those are things that can happen, and Ryan Nielsen is – a well-renowned, he is a specialist with the defensive line. He has been there, done that as a defensive line coach. Players have raved about him. The day he was hired, I was on social media and didn't have to look hard to find mm-hmm. players talking highly about him. The Atlanta Falcons, the last year was his first year as their defensive coordinator. They improved tremendously on defense. And keep in mind, they don't have nearly the edge rushers right. that of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. We'll talk more about Josh Allen a little bit later on, too. Um, but they, they don't have nearly that level of talent that the Jaguars have to rush the passer from those edges. So... Look, I think Ryan Nielsen has some tools here. I think Ryan Nielsen is renowned as a teacher. Players like him. They say uh, the Falcons kept saying that the two words that he used every day to describe the, what their defense was going to be was attack and aggressive. And I think you're going to really enjoy watching a defense that is aggressive and can do that. I look, I like. I'm I'm the strange football person. I don't mind a game if it's like nine to three if both defenses are playing well. I actually kind of enjoy them because I like what and I like watching defenses that don't just adjust to the offense but dictate to the offense of offense what they're going to do sometimes. And that's really tough for a defense to do. But you have to be a special kind of group. We'll see if he's able to build a special kind of group like that. But a group that is aggressive, sometimes that forces offenses into doing things that maybe they don't want to do, but they have to do to slow down the defensive group. And that's the type of thing that he's going to bring. Now, there are some changes that come along with it because Ryan Nielsen, uh, when he was the defensive coordinator for the Falcons, they played more man coverage mm-hmm. last season than any defense in the league. That's more. crazy. But if you have the personnel, and when Jalen Ramsey right. was here, he bitched all the time about wanting to be in man. That yes. that allows elite corners, elite safeties to get out and have more of those one-on-ones as opposed to the zone where you're kind of assigned a space on the field and that's what you've got to do. Zone almost gives up a little bit of the uh, – almost forsakes the long pass and for some of that shorter pass and lets your teams make the play. So I think a lot of corners, a lot of safeties – will like that man coverage a little bit more, let you get in space with that number one, number two wide out, and uh, get on them a little bit. You've got to have the studs to play that man defense, though, and I don't know if Jacksonville right now is equipped for that. On the outside, you've got to have you've got to have a bona fide nickel. They don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Trey Herndon is that guy. And if you ask Trent Baalke, that yeah, you win games with Trent, uh, Trey Herndon, got to the playoffs, Trey Herndon. But I think they need to upgrade that nickel position to play that Ryan Nielsen type of man defense that he wants. I think you could play it. Um, the corners right now with Darius and Tyson, uh, if you're thinking Tyson's going to get back to that pre-injury level or pre-2023 uh, level that he had. Um, but I think Darius can hold up on that outside too in that man. So, yeah, that's where they have to make those those agree- or, uh, adjustments at. I agree with you. The nickel has to be upgraded. Look, Trey, Her- the Tra- nickel's got to be a dog. It's got to be a dog. Trey Herndon, has, uh, he's a free agent, so I doubt he's back here. They're going to upgrade that position. They have no choice. Keep in mind that Lanny had A.J. Terrell, who is a very talented cornerback and excels at man coverage. So maybe he was playing a little bit to the personnel that he had there. But with Tyson and Darius, it is an interesting conundrum. We talked a little bit about Darius last time on the podcast as possibly a, a person who could be in salary cap jeopardy, um, save them some money. But keep in mind, one way or another, we're going to see a change to this cornerback room. Right. Uh, it could be a very early draft pick. I know a lot of everybody's banging the table for big guys, improve the trenches, but corner is a need because right. Tyson's in the last year of his deal and Darius is in the last year of his deal. So right now you have nobody under contract past next season that is in your starting lineup at corner. So somehow, some way, they have to figure that out. And when you bring in a defensive coordinator who runs a little bit of a different scheme because the Jaguars played a whole bunch of zone, a lot of cover three last year, uh, it's going to be different. The Jaguars did not play nearly mm-hmm. as much man as the Falcons did. So in order to do that, they're going to have to be some adjustments. We'll see what uh, Ryan Nielsen's defense ultimately looks like. But I like the I look. I like the hire. I think Ryan Nielsen is. A, it was they they went into the market, and if they would have come back with something that wasn't what I thought was a home run, I would have said I would say, look, this was a moot point. You completely scapegoated Mike Caldwell. But that kind of led me to the just because he wasn't the problem doesn't mean he's the solution. And if you have the opportunity to get a guy that you think is the solution. You have to make the changes to do that. And I think that might have been part of this. There's nothing against Mike. Mike's getting defensive coordinator interviews. I hope he gets a job. Really liked him as a person. But his defensive scheme, at times, the rotations and some of the things they were doing, everybody was like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. So Almost like a Todd Wash defense where oh, you said, man, yes. this defense looks so good. And then you're, you're scratching your head like, what? where are these guys going? Right. Where are these guys going? Mike Caldwell is the same thing. And Ryan Nielsen is a defensive coordinator that is available. Some of these other defensive coordinators that the Jaguars were looking into aren't guys that are available every year. They're not typically guys, like a lot of defensive coaches don't get head coaching interviews, but they tend to be on staffs and stay there. Mm-hmm. So if you if you see an opportunity to go get a guy that you consider elite, you have to take advantage you of it. You do it. You do that same thing if it was a player. Exactly. So you have to treat that coaching staff the same way. I mean, uh, we've seen what good coordinator or coaching hires can do. Uh, Mike Caldwell was just kind of a guy. Um Jacksonville got hot at the right time last season, played a lot of uh, one-score games, a lot of comebacks and stuff, not sustainable. And I think you saw a little bit of the cracks in the foundation this year during that losing streak, miscommunication issues, fighting on the sideline, um, issues like that. And I think Mike, um, if he wasn't the scapegoat, I do think that they needed to make a change, whether it be OC or DC. Um, My question is, was this a Doug Peterson hire, Trent Baalke hire? And Trent Baalke said in his press conference that, hey, Doug has got complete control over that. So we have not heard from Doug since his, uh, his season-ending press conference where he fired, fired Mike Caldwell uh, a couple hours after that, kind of being coy about things and uh, didn't want to face the questions about that. So um, I'm curious if this was 
a truly a Doug Peterson hire? Uh, that will be an interesting conversation and see if we ever find that out, if this was truly a Doug hire or not, and if he had the final say-so. Most coaches do have the final say-so. Um, and keep in mind, when Doug won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, he had Jim Swartz as his defensive coordinator. Now, Nielsen doesn't run the same defense as Jim Swartz, but Swartz ran that defensive side of the ball for Doug, and Jim Swartz runs a very aggressive style of defense. That's what he's known for. That's his brand of football. He's going to dictate the tempo to some extent with that aggressiveness that he runs. He's still running defenses to this day, very aggressive and very successfully in the NFL because of that brand. And Mike Caldwell's defense wasn't necessarily that aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. nobody watched the Jaguars' defense and, and described it as aggressive. Right. And I, literally doing research on Ryan Nielsen, going back and looking at training camp stuff from the Falcons, the players said, throwing out attack and aggressive as the words that, that Ryan Nielsen told them every day that they wanted, he wanted to describe their defense. So, look, I, I know there was a question on some people. There was a report out there that said Doug wanted a different guy. But and I don't know if maybe Doug did, and but ultimately, I think this guy fits the brand of defensive coordinator. Like if I it, that is similar to Jim Swartz and running an aggressive style of defense. The other guy that was mentioned in that report, I don't think would have his defense would have been a lot more similar to right. what we see with Mike or saw with Mike Caldwell. Right, Mark on Manuel. Yes. Right. So I mean, you're you're talking about completely different uh, defensive styles there. Um, you're probably looking at more similar, maybe not an exact Caldwell defense, but more that that uh, zone kind of defense mm-hmm. with uh, with Manuel there. But Ryan, again, attack aggressive. Jacksonville just needs the personnel now to fill that. Um, again, it, you've got to have those blockbuster corners. You've got to upgrade that nickel position because, I mean, the teams spend – 70 80 percent of the time now in those defense with a nickel cornerback so you're going to have to start getting a guy in there I don't think it can be Trey Herndon I think that that this past year unless you're signing Trey for depth you've got to go out and get or draft free agent something like that to have a guy who can play that lockdown slot corner is it Antonio Johnson is that guy in the roster I don't I don't think so. I think you've got to go out and get a guy uh, to play inside of, uh, of Darius and Tyson. Now, mind you, I'll eat my words if Nielsen washes out and Manuel goes somewhere and is a rock star <laughs> defensive coordinator. You had to but eat your words this year on Trayvon Walker, I Josh. Hey, Allen, hey, so. hey, he's still so. got the double-digit sacks. He's still got the double digits. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look, look, ultimately the gap wasn't that big. It wasn't they were both big. in double-digit sacks. Um, I, I said Trayvon was going to have a big monster year. I was right there. He had a big jump in production. I just didn't foresee the Josh Allen ridiculous jump in production. Yeah. Pro Bowl. Um, Pro Bowl. But I will eat my words if, if this is wrong. And I, I, whoever had the final say on this, I think they got it right. I, 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 I would I would feel a lot less confident if Marquez Manuel was the Jaguars defensive coordinator right now. I would not that to me would have been like if we were putting it on a grade, I'd give that one a C or a D at best. I'm giving Ryan Nielsen an A plus without question. And what about um, uh, like a guy like a, a Wink Martindale kind of higher? Wink is in a, a similar vein to Nielsen, but Wink's defenses are they live by and die by the blitz. Mm-hmm. While Nielsen is a little, he he does send pressure in different ways. I think 
Nielsen isn't as hard to get along with behind closed doors. Wink obviously has had has rubbed some people right. the wrong way. The way he left New York does leave some questions there. Um, but his defenses are known for giving up a ton of yards. Ton of yards. Now they do get those turnovers. It's almost similar to what you've seen from the Jaguars in, in the past. They'll give up all these yards and then you hope for a turnover or a sack these past couple of years. Um, but he blitzes so much that he's able to give pressure and confuse guys. So there's good things from Wink's defenses, but bad things. He wasn't that high on my list. I think Ryan Nielsen is the right fit. He's more of a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that hands-on approach, a defensive line specialist, a guy who's not going to completely live by and die by the blitz, but will show some of those phantom pressures to confuse quarterbacks, gives you some of the strengths of, I'm going to send eight at you every play. Um, yeah, eight's a high purpose. But you get what I'm saying. Um, I, I think that Ryan, it, for me, it was Ryan Nilsson, Leslie Frazier, um, if he would have taken the job, wasn't sure. I was trying to decide where I was at on Ron Riviera once he said he'd take a D.C. job. I'm just, I, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator in so long. I just... I'm just not sure. What about a Raheem Morris, um, Antonio Pierce kind of guy? Well, Raheem Morris was already a defensive coordinator. He was either taking a head coaching job or staying in L.A. Um, I think he is a, a great hire for the Falcons, and that, that hurts me to say. Um, <laughs> but Antonio, I would have loved Antonio Pierce. Uh, he would have been another first-time defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, though. But I think I am a big proponent of leaders, I think that, like, I, I was a huge Dan Campbell guy before Dan Campbell before came a head coach. When he was the interim coach for the Dolphins oh, yeah. and Miami didn't hire him, I thought that was a huge miss on their part. And then I was like, well, he's going to for sure get all these, like, interviews around the league for these big-time jobs, and he didn't. He ended up a tight end coach in New Orleans, an assistant head coach, before he finally gets to Detroit, and the players rally around this guy. He is a leader of people, and you saw that similar with Antonio Pierce, and I'm really glad that the Raiders ultimately decided to keep him in place. I think that was the right move, and you see it around the NFL. I think coordinator experience can be overrated. You need a leader. As a head coach, they have their two jobs. Lead the group and manage the game. Make the final calls, which goes back to leading the group. I, you need a person that is a leader of men. There is nothing wrong with Josh McDaniel. Josh McDaniel is a fantastic football mind. He is a great offensive coordinator. He's a terrible leader. <laughs> he, he just doesn't have the communication right. skills, and that's why it's now wor- not worked for him twice. There are some guys who just don't have those leadership qualities. You need a person that's like, we're going over there, and everybody's just like, I'm right behind you. And some people have – they're natural leaders. They And Antonio Pierce has that it. Dan Campbell has that it. It helps that they're former players, but they were players that were leaders when they were right. players. It's not like you're just trying to take some random guy. There are some guys that just have that it. Like, look, Andrew Wingard has been a love-or-hate relationship with Jaguars fans. I think he would be a fantastic head coach one day. He knows football inside and out, and he is a leader in that locker room. The guys love him. I think he could be a head coach in the NFL if he really wanted to. I don't know if that's his plans when football's done. But those are the types of guys that are just natural leadership qualities that I think teams overlook sometimes just because, oh, well, maybe he's never called plays. I don't care. He can hire a coordinator and call plays. Yeah. You look at some of the quotes that were coming out of Vegas during the lead-in or during the the hiring phase. And, I mean, Max Crosby. I mean, unbelievably – 
took the side of Antonio Pierce. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams, he makes me want to run through a brick wall. That's what the kind of coach I want to play for. I mean, mm-hmm. when you can get guys, professionals, multimillionaires, guys making $30 million a year to say, hey, I'd run through a wall for this guy. That's right. It's, it's the spark. It's something you can't put your finger on. It's not um, – yeah, again, it doesn't fill up that resume. It doesn't have that OC, DC kind of thing on there. But, again, when you can get multimillionaires – to believe, to buy in your system, that means something. And that and that's that leadership quality. It's missing from the resume, but you got you got it. It's in any business, man. Look, you can go to your job and there's a manager that everybody's either worked for or seen that nobody really wants to go. Like if they ask you to do something extra, you're like, mm, not really. Like they're just not inspiring. That's why they're not a good manager. And then there's that manager that everybody loves that, hey, can you? Uh, we really need you to do this. And everybody's like, for you? Of course, right. because they are a leader and they understand that there is a give and take in leadership and that there are some things, Some there's just something to it of how you work with people and how you talk to people that makes you that leader that can be a, a differentiator. Um, and I think some guys have those qualities. Some people are just born with it. Some people can learn it. But it's the same thing you can look at in high school football. Right. There are some coaches that have that leadership quality, that players just fall right in line and want to do it, and then other coaches are run ragged by the team trying to keep them in line. Right. It's just a thing. It's something you can't really put your finger on, but it exists. Um, and it's something that, uh, look, I, I, my joke with, is that Trent Bulky is fantastic in uh, – is fantastic in some of these backroom meetings. I don't know. I don't know if it's leadership qualities, whatever. But owners seem to love him. They loved him in San Francisco. Uh, the San Francisco fan base hated him. Uh, Shad Khan clearly loves him, and the Jaguars fans hate him. And he finally did that. Uh, that did, finally did his postseason press conference. How did you like that transition? <laughs> what did you think about that one? Um, uh, you so, were there, Jamal. I, you were I, was, there. I was there. So look, I, so there have been some different takes. Look, there, the, here's the one thing with Trent, and I've defended Trent some. So. Um, no matter what he says, it's not going to change anybody's mind. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a degree of honesty, but I also think he was lying through his teeth at the same time. So the degree of honesty was he said, look, as a football team, the Jaguars have to get bigger, stronger, and more physical. Now, that was the one degree of honesty. What I don't think he realized with that degree of honesty was he's been the general manager for three years. Whose job is it to bring in big, strong, physical football players? Right. It's yeah. not Doug Peterson. No, I mean, he's talking about Hawkins. coaching, coaching questions, and, you know, that's a question for Doug. That's a question for the coach. Well, you're the guy responding. This is not Doug Peterson. You know, back in the day where there was Bill Belichick holding the title of – Bill Parcells holding the title of coach and GM. This is Trent Baalke's team. This is Trent Baalke's roster. This is Trent, you know, and he and his scouts have built this team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't count the Trevor Lawrence pick because – I mean, anybody could have made that pick. It's what he's done after that Trevor Lawrence pick. Okay, his first draft, I think, was a, was a solid draft. First free eight, really big free agency class was a solid free agency class. But there's been t- way too many misses, way too many uh, reaches, way too many not drafting and developing. And when you count, it, Trent was in that Urban Meyer stain. I, and I don't know if that ever comes off of Trent Baalke. And um, you go from Dave Caldwell to Trent Baalke, and that's that's going from uh, uh, Satan to uh, one of his uh, one of his uh, favorite demons. Uh, so it, not a not a massive difference between those two right now. I just haven't done a lot. You've built a, a roster that was not capable of uh, standing up to the test. Injuries happen, but I just don't think going into the season. Any of us, Jamal and I particularly, felt 
exceptionally overconfident that this team was going to make this seismic leap because, again, you're running it back with the same guys. So many other teams have addressed issues and improved, especially in the AFC South, and you're running it back with the same team who needed a miracle last year to go on this torrid postseason, this torrid run in the second half of the season, you knew you could not keep that pressure up. You could not, you can't replicate that all the time. I mean, you're so close of games, such a unbelievably lightning in a bottle kind of season, and then you elect to run it back. Trent's the guy that built that roster, um, so he's got to wear that. He's got to wear that blame. Yeah, and so I, I think that was the degree of honesty. Outside of that, I mean, he was pointing the finger at the strength and conditioning coaches. We don't have an identity. We need to be more competitive in the weight room and all these things. And it's like, look, football players in the NFL, if they're they show up strong, they they have to do work in the off season. There's not a whole lot of like lifting to get stronger during the football season because that, that's more of maintenance lifts. Mm-hmm. That that's different. So uh, some of the things he was spouting off, it was like that doesn't make sense. Like you're not just going to become this big, strong, physical football team in the weight room during the year. That's not how that. That's not how that works. So. Uh, there, there's something there. There's something not. I look. I, I think Trent's here. I think. A, I think a bad season, and we're, we may be talking about some some very intense searches this time next year. Um, but right now, Trent's here, and it is what it is. And we'll see what what in his mind bringing bigger, stronger, more physical players to Jacksonville looks like. Um, how much confidence I have in that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, you're. You're up against a salary cap this year. You're, you're going to be pinched. You're going to be squeezed. I mean, Josh Allen, whether he's franchise tag or new deal, he's going to cost a lot more. If you do something with Trevor, which Trent did not rule out this offseason, he's going to be a lot more, um, you know, not additionally right now, but he's going to cost you a lot more two years, three years from now when that rookie contract is, is done and that new contract kicks in. So um, you are not going to have a lot of money to do this bigger, stronger, faster thing. And I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I mean, Trent gave Luke Fortner about a biggest vote of a confidence as possible. I mean, he was one of the worst players on the offensive line. And for as much praise as Trent sang about Anton Harrison, he was one of the lowest rated right tackles in the league. So, I mean, you, I think you've got to have guys like Cam Robinson back. Anton's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to, I think, tear your allegiance away from some of these guys like the Brandon Sheriffs, the Luke Fortners, and find out a way to get bigger, stronger, faster without guys like that in the lineup. And I just don't know. It's like every offseason you have a, a list of things you want to get done, and you can only check a few of those boxes because reality of the salary cap, reality of, of guys going other places, getting paid more. You just can't handle all of that. So I'm just curious where a roster that has a lot of holes can get bigger, stronger, faster in an off season where I think it's you, you win or you're looking for another job next year, Trent. I think that's our next podcast. I think our next podcast is going to be how the Jaguars can get bigger, stronger, and faster this off season. How about that? Yeah, let's um, do it. So we'll do that because that 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 is a topic that will take some time because there are some spots that have to be improved and not a whole lot of flexibility to do it. So maybe that's the next show. But you did touch on Josh Allen. I want to get to that because that's something that Trent talked about during his press conference before we wrap this show up. So Trent mentioned that Josh Allen will be a Jaguar next season. He also mentioned that he has not talked to Josh's agent or his people about a contract. So Josh Allen will be a free agent, and uh, Trent says he is going to be a Jaguar next season. Let me go on ahead and read the tea leaves for you, read between the lines. Josh Allen is going to get the franchise tag. 
If Josh Allen gets a long-term deal done before they slap him with the franchise tag, I will be astounded. I will be absolutely shocked. I don't think it's going to happen. I think him saying Josh will be a Jaguar next season, I think he was telling the truth. I haven't talked to Josh's agent. Tells me that he ain't trying to – look, Trent has a, Trent's not trying to get deals done during the season. That's not his thing. But the season had been over mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. And now maybe they were busy with the defensive coordinator search and all that. But you knew Josh needed to be here. Josh is going to get franchise tag. Mm-hmm. A long-term deal, maybe next year. But he's going to get the tag this year. At that, I think it's that simple. That's going to actually handicap them a little bit. But, look, it is what it is. I think they should hand Josh a $100 million contract right now. I think that's what it's going to take. Um, I think he's earned it. I think at some point the Jaguars have to shed the reputation of a team that does not pay the people that they that they draft, and they should start with Josh Allen. Do you want to see more from Josh Allen? Do you want him to stack another 18-sack season on what we saw this year? Or do you think that was a, a flash in the pan this year? I mean, did Jacksonville think that was a flash in the pan? They want to see him more. I mean, I, I'm more reluctant to hand that big deal to a Trevor Lawrence this offseason than I am a Josh Allen. I, through our discussions, I was notoriously low on Josh going into the mm-hmm. season. I did not expect this sort of result um, to the to the level of, I told you, I thought Trayvon would have more sacks than him this year. Um, and obviously, we haven't seen the double-digit sacks since he was a rookie. But what has there been around Josh? This year, he was through the roof different. He was more focused. Um, he knew he had something on the line. He wanted to play better. He did play better to the tune of a single-season sack record for the Jaguars. At some point, and and the thing that is there with Josh, if you weren't going to pay him, trade him. So now he now we're in this moment. Franchise tag him, try and get a deal done. You but hand him the money. Just just get it done. Because that's going to be better for your salary cap. Franchise tagging him, which the franchise tag, depending on if he, since technically he's an outside linebacker, I think they save a little bit of money there. Um, if he's listed as an outside linebacker, I think it's $20 million. If he's listed as a defensive end, I think it's $22 million. Don't have the numbers in front of me, so don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. Um, but I, I, think you, I think you pay Josh. That's what I would do. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I don't need to see any more. I've seen enough. I know he's a good person in the Jacksonville community. He wants to be a Jaguar. He's a good person in that locker room, and he has figured it out. And if Josh sets foot on the free agent market, another team will not hesitate to hand him $100 million. Look at Jawan Taylor, perfect example last year, and he had nowhere near the upside as Josh Allen. I mean, pass rushers in their prime, and we've seen these guys get mega deals. I mean, Montez Sweat. Chase Young's going to get a blockbuster deal this offseason, even though he's been just up and down. Um, so, yeah, it, it's he is going to get paid. And if Jacksonville allows him or, God forbid, those negotiations get contentious and Josh wants out of Jacksonville, we've seen it before with Yannick, we've seen it with Jalen Ramsey. You don't want to get to that point. Obviously not saying Josh is like those guys, but when the business of football uh, kind of uh, – jumps in the way of uh, the act of playing football. You get those kind of crazy things. You saw Evan Ingram last year, thought you were going to get a deal with Evan Dunn uh, without the tag. Trent said as, as much heading into the draft. Um, and then, boom, you had to slap a franchise tag on him when that money started getting a little bit uh, getting a little bit up there. So, yeah, strange things happen. Uh, bring Josh back. I, I would like to see him get a long-term deal in Jacksonville. Um, like a Devon Hamilton, you draft and develop a guy, becomes part of your team, uh, good, for the, uh, good for the franchise. I think Josh deserves that. But to me, I think uh, 
uh, to your point, I do think that a, a franchise tag is probably likely for Josh. Uh, when you got a Calvin Ridley also, you want to probably sign. Uh, Trent raved about him last week, and then obviously the Trevor deal, if that uh, if that comes to pass too. Who's the last Jaguars first-round pick to get a second deal? If I had to guess off the top of my head, it'd be Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles Blake, is the last okay. one. And how long did that second deal last? Exactly. So the Jaguars are notorious for not keeping their guys – even the ones that like they draft poorly, and then they the ones they hit on, yeah, gone. They, they let them leave, right? So at some point you have to shed that because that does matter to players around the league. That does matter when free agency rolls around, and that does matter when agents start shopping their players right. to what teams they want them to go to. That matters. These are people. They notice these things. They know these things. It matters, and I think at some point you have to shed that. Start with Josh Allen, who has been nothing but a good citizen to Jacksonville. He has raved about the Jaguars. He's a perfect face of the franchise for this organization. He wants to be here. Keep him here. It is that simple. Get it done. It's gonna. You can model the deal after Montez Sweat's deal. His deal was four years, $98 million. Josh Allen has stayed here through rough times and helped this team through back-to-back number one overall picks. He's been a leader. He's worked nonstop with Trayvon Walker. Him and Trayvon are close. Him and Caleb on Chase on. He worked with Chase on after practice during training camp, day after day. Worked with Trayvon Walker after practice at training camp. Worked on his own after practice after training camp, day after day. The dude works hard. Hand him a $100 million deal, make him the first $100 million man in Jaguars history, and move on. Done. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. And he's it's good. that simple. And they want to get that long-term deal with him done. I don't know that they want it, to. Well, if I don't think they do. From a, from a financial standpoint. I, I promise you I don't think they do. You don't think so? I absolutely do not think so. I do not believe they want to get a long-term deal done with Josh. If you wanted a deal done, you'd have got it done. Yeah, that's a that good point. They kept jo- I feel... This is just me. This isn't a report. This is just my thought. I think they kept Josh out of need. I don't think Josh is Trent's guy. I don't think he necessarily likes him. Remember, Trent likes bigger, stronger, faster. He right. likes a Trayvon Walker type of defensive end. Josh ain't Trayvon Walker. Josh is a big dude, though, um, and he's very fast and, and, and strong, but he's not Trayvon. Um, so I don't think he fits the mold in Trent's head. And I don't think he wants to pay Josh. I don't think he's as high on Josh as maybe we are sitting here right now. Kind of like the the franchise's view on James Robinson. Correct. Um, you know, everybody. He was James, right on James, though. He, I mean, James has not done anything since he left. He I will not. say that. But he, at the time for that bad Jacksonville team, he was a uh, he was a, he was everything. He was a big piece of, of yes. a bad team. So, um, but to to your point about a a franchise tag or a long term deal, teams would rather. In, the, in just looking at a blanket statement here, teams would rather be able to have that long-term deal with a player because in a franchise tag, there's no way to spread out what you're going to pay that player. Say Josh is getting $20 million in, for one year on that tag, mm-hmm. that $20 million is going to get you cap this year. So it. it's not something you can prorate and spread out like a signing bonus over a period of three, four, five years to kind of help defray that cost. So mm-hmm. uh, that Josh Allen – Franchise tag, like in Evan, when they had that uh, placeholder franchise tag on him, that's you're all on the books that year. You're not able to spread that out. And for a team that's in that pinch salary cap spot, like Jacksonville will be in coming up this offseason, um, don't have a lot of money to spend unless you do some purging of the contracts or some creative counting. So if you do tag Josh and that's between 20 and $22 million, that 20 $22 million is coming all on that cap this year. So I think – 
to me, I think that's why they do probably get a longer-term deal, Josh was, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Dunn, simply because you touched on it, the need for that. And a longer-term deal helps you kind of get underneath that cap this year. I'll be surprised. Okay, all right. Franchise tag deadline's March 5th. He hasn't called them. <laughs> a $100 million deal don't get done in a week. So, because so, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into those contracts. It's not cookie cutter. So, I would be surprised if he's not at least on the franchise tag for a little while. I don't. Th- I think they want him to do it again. I really do. Um, but here, and here's the thing. Like I said, at some point you have to shed the not keeping your guys. When's the last time? And you've been around the Jaguars a lot longer than I have. When's the last time that you've had back to back years or back to back star players say, "I want to be a Jaguar." I want to stay here. Evan Ingram said it last year. Like, I, I was here for Jan when Jan never said he wanted right. to stay in Jacksonville. I was here when Jalen said, I'm, I'm ready to go. When was the last time you had two guys that needed contracts that said openly, I want to be a Jacksonville Jaguar? Man, not a not blue chippers like Josh. I mean, maybe a Blake guy, and he wasn't in that, that mix. I mean, he was carried to the AFC Championship game by that defense. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know of – you know, blue chippers. I mean, maybe Fred Mojo kind of going back there, but not – it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while see, since you, you've had that. You see, and that's my point. You pay this dude, move on with life. Like, it's inexcusable. And if they don't pay Josh, I will be the first one to to be ringing the bell, ring the alarm. This is a problem. I knew I'd get you on the bandwagon. Yeah, it's, He's got it. me on the bandwagon. He's got me on the bandwagon. All right, that'll do it for this News for Jacks podcast. Next one up, we're going to talk about how to fix the team this offseason. Uh, Trent bulky style, bigger, stronger, and more physical straight ahead. Uh, that'll be our next podcast. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.